0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant.
1: Hello everyone. I'm Randall Williams, one of two Roden Fellows at Hampton University. This is a special edition of the Roden Fellows podcast and we're recording on Sunday, April fifth. My good friend and other Hampton University fellow Whitney Bronson is on the line. But Bill Roden, the founder of the Roden Fellows program, was having Wi Fi issues, so he's not with us today. Anyway, Whitney, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Randall. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, you know, just trying to stay indoors, find things to do. My apartment isn't too big, so it's not like I'm walking around a mansion or anything. But moving on, in this episode, we'll discuss the coronavirus pandemic. According to CNN.com, the virus has infected more than 1.2 million people worldwide and has killed 65,000 people. The United States is among the most impacted countries, as nearly 1,300 people died yesterday alone from COVID-19. The most for the United States in one day. Unfortunately, the world of sports has been affected by the virus as well. The NBA, NHL, and MLS have all suspended their current seasons due to the fear of players catching and spreading the virus to one another. The MLB suspended spring training games and delayed the start of the 2020 regular season, along with the PGA tournament and Wimbledon canceling its events. All college basketball tournaments were also canceled. Whitney and Howard fellow Arthur Cribbs were attending the Big 12 tournament before it came to an abrupt stop. Other Roden fellows, East Dockery from North Carolina A&T and Kevin Parrish Jr. from Bowie State University, were attending the Big East tournament before that event was canceled as well. Whitney, what was it like to be sent home from the Big 12 tournament?
2: It was honestly crazy. You know, me, Arthur, Bill, Aaron, Monique, John X, Miller, we all hopped on a call early that morning. And we were discussing, they were discussing, I guess, whether or not they were going to send me an Arthur home. And, you know, Arthur and I, we said we wanted to stay just so we could experience the Big 12, learn how, to- how they do things there. And we just wanted to stay for the full experience, and our parents didn't have an issue with it either. So um, we were going to stay, and then not a few hours later, they just canceled the tournament altogether. So it was honestly crazy just having to, get there one day, and then literally the next day we had to leave again. So what were you? Were you scared at any point? Uh, Describe
1: to me your feelings there.
2: I wasn't scared, just more concerned for, you know, health and safety and well-being and all that type of stuff. But, you know, once they canceled the tournament, I said, oh, this is, like, really serious. I mean, I knew it was serious, but just the fact that tournaments all over the place were canceling, You know, then NBA players started getting it, and then they just canceled their season. Like, it just – or they didn't cancel it. Excuse me. They kind of just, like, postponed it. But, no, I wasn't necessarily scared, but just mainly concerned for the health and well-being of pretty much everybody. Now, East, I know you're on social, but I'm going to tag you in uh, real fast.
1: You were at the Big East tournament, and the tournament had began. Uh, Talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, um, it was really a crazy experience because as far as the players go, everyone was acting normal. The coaches were acting normal. But behind the scenes, everything was hectic. Everybody was having a bunch of meetings because nobody really knew what they were going to do from one moment to the next. Um, When the commissioner had actually announced that they were going forth with the tournament, that's when the NCAA had came out with their announcement and this by time of the second game of the first round, in the middle of that second game, that's when the NBA had made their announcement. So everything was just jumping from one moment to the next.
1: Thanks for that, East. At Hampton, it was it was crazy. I'll say that uh, you know Hampton was one of the the last schools to cancel. It felt like uh, they were just taking their time with with evaluating what was going on and not making any rush to to make a decision. And then you start seeing you know everything cancel. You know, the life itself really goes out of sports, it seems like, especially when where we work for ESPN, that, that's everyday life for us. So, you know, you're looking at the NBA postponed season, and they, they did all these restrictions to make sure the media had restricted access to the player availability section in the locker room and stuff like that. But then, boom, Rudy Gobert has it. And then the whole season is just canceled, and or the whole season is postponed, and um, you're seeing all these different Players to be tested, and so it was. Uh, it was very, very sad. I'll say.
2: Yeah, and I think the other crazy thing is right when we found out that the Big Twelve was canceling. Then, not a few hours later, after that, then I found out that Hampton was going to do online classes. So I was originally going to come back to campus after you know the whole Big Twelve thing, and then finding out that Hampton canceled classes. You know, I obviously contacted my parents and everything. They said you need to come home right now. So. I didn't even get to go back to campus, pack up my stuff or anything. I went from Kansas City straight to Cincinnati, Ohio. So that was honestly really crazy as well because I didn't even get to, you know, I I guess you could say I was almost home longer than anybody else has technically been.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty insane, Whitney. Well, President Donald Trump held a conference call with the commissioners of 12 professional leagues yesterday. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that Roger Goodell was informed on the call that the NFL should start on time in September. But for the NBA, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that on the call, Adam Silver spoke of a possible return to play once there was an all-clear from public health officials. Whitney,
2: do you even think the NBA can come back from all this? I personally don't. I just feel as if there's way too much going on. You know, you just said that um, we had a peak in deaths just the other day. So, I mean, clearly people also are not still following directions. Like, they're still going outside. They're acting like everything is okay. And, you know, when you have people who are putting others at risk like that, you just honestly never know, you know, who maybe has the virus, who doesn't, who's transferring it to who. Like, you just don't know. I just think that it's not plausible. See,
1: I I get what you're saying, but I kind of disagree. I think that uh, you know, Adam Silver and the NBA's Player Association has had conversations to have the rest of the season in Vegas, where all the teams would be in hotels, they'd play in, in, in uh, different arenas, whatever, whatever. And I think that ultimately, if you can get the season to go on, then you should. And, you know, you ask the question of why. Um, the money loss. The money loss. And, two, I mean... It's money lost everywhere. The league loses money. The players lose money. Um, there's not, there aren't that many players that have uh, have a, a clause where they get paid out fully. Uh, so I, I guess what, what would you say to the players who may not get, get paid fully, Whitney?
2: It's just a shame, really, that there's so many people in America right now who can't work at all and who they don't have any way to pay their rent, don't have any way to pay mortgage, you know, whatever. Like, everything is shut down. Like, they're not the only people who are affected by this. And, I mean, I'm not trying to say, you know, sucks to suck. We all want the sports back, to be completely honest. But, you know, I just think that player health and player safety should really come first. And there have been a lot of NBA players who have been affected.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'll say that, um... Seeing the different players who were affected uh, were was incredible. I mean, just the biggest names—Kevin Durant uh, mm-hmm. was infected. Uh, you had Marcus Smart, Rudy Gobert, uh, a couple of Lakers players who haven't been revealed. It's it's really incredible and and sad to see, but most of them are doing well, uh, which is which is really good. I, I you know I, I just wish that there was a way that you know the season could go on, and we all do. Now we just talked about the the NBA, but obviously the MLB's season is a lot closer. Do you think the MLB should continue even without fans?
0: I think that it's
2: most certainly a possibility. You know, it will most definitely be different playing in an arena with no fans. But at the same time, you know, a lot of the MLB players are, you know, from other countries, you know, coming from their home country, you know, to America. Like, you never know because this is just everywhere. And it's really ridiculous. How widespread it is, and how much we still haven't been able to, you know, get people healthy yet. So, I mean, it's most definitely a possibility. I'm not entirely sure, you know, how it would go though. I
1: think I think when you when you're talking about playing in arenas without fans, that would be so bizarre. It would be yeah. it would be absolutely in, incredible to, to watch. You know, imagine a home run being hit and then you just break the chair in the crowd uh, mm-hmm. because because the ball just hits hits the chair so hard. That that's crazy. And then there's no crowd effect. Home field advantage would practically be eliminated because there's no there's not going to be any noise uh, being made at any of the games. Not just the MLB, but any sport. Home field advantage is,
2: is done for. So there are no excuses for like, oh, the crowd was loud. No, you're you're really playing in silence. I don't know if you've seen that video of um, the WWE where there was literally nobody in the crowd and they were just you know hitting each other with chairs, like tackling each other. It was it's almost something to that effect, and it was just really weird because you know WWE arenas they're filled with people all it the time, like, the, right. exactly. So it was just kind of weird, like, just not hearing that background noise that can really get you hype and get your adrenaline going. I don't
1: even know how I would feel as a player. Like, you know, yeah. a lot of players really feed off of, of fan energy. And imagine, like, Tyreek Hill scores a touchdown and he runs and he goes to jump into the crowd and then there's no one there. Um, right. It's, it's different things like that. And even going back to what you said about the WWE, the WWE is all crowd, too, um, especially things like WrestleMania and stuff like that, that's you have announcers making announcements
2: and there's literally no crowd reaction at all. It's, it's eerie. And then that would also be weird too, considering from a journalistic aspect of, you know, the announcers calling and making plays, you know, a crazy, let's just say like a crazy dunk happens and the announcers going crazy, but you hear nothing else. (laughs) That would just be so entirely bizarre to actually hear something like that and it's it's so difficult to feed off of energy when it's not there
1: yeah it's just crazy i think that um well i hope that people follow the guidelines of health officials and everyone stays indoors so that we can um get back to our regularly scheduled life because having my senior year canceled was not a part of the plan
2: it really was not. And just seeing ESPN do reruns of games is also just like, what? what's actually going on?
1: Well, we'll be right back to discuss a particular app that has taken up a lot of people's time during this social distancing period. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. It's your Hampton University Rodin Fellows, Randall Williams and Whitney Bronson here. And now we're going to discuss the app that has everyone laughing, giggling, and just having a good time. TikTok. As the amount of time everybody has has rapidly increased over the past few weeks, so have the downloads for TikTok. A social media app where users lip sync songs, famous lines from movies, and give their best shots at mimicking dances made famous on the app. Although the trends had humble beginnings as the app was mainly used by high schoolers, now everybody from sports figures to A-list actors have joined as a way to pass the time. However, while many of the dances and songs that are coupled with these lighthearted videos seem easy enough to create and master, in reality, the originators of these cool moves often never get the credit they deserve for creating content that is used by millions. Clearly famous songs like Doja Cat's Say So and Wiz Khalifa's Something New are credited to their respective artists, but a dance like The Renegade, which was used millions of times for months before the creator of the dance spoke up on Twitter. The 14-year-old Atlanta native Harmon had to sit back before she was recognized on a national stage as the creator of the dance at the NBA All-Star Game in Chicago in February. Kyle Exum, a YouTuber and Howard University senior, created the viral song TikToking, which was used nonstop on the app without accreditation before Exum was able to start streaming the song on Spotify, which has amassed over a million streams thus far. And while receiving credit is better late than never, it is still important to understand that content creation is a form of property. Be it a dance, song, or even an idea, it still belongs to somebody. Whitney, what did you think about everything that happened with uh, Jalea?
2: I just thought that it kind of sucked because I didn't even know that it was a black girl who created it in the first place. Um, I just saw everybody doing the dance and didn't even really think twice about who created it and who's, I guess, like you said, property it was. So, but the fact that they were able to bring it to light, that she was the very first person to do it and she's the one who made it. And then she finally got the recognition that she deserved, I think was really great. You know, everybody, on the internet now or detectives or whatever. So <laughs> I'm glad that she was able to get her moment.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially for African-Americans, we see things like this happen where you're unaccredited, people make a lot of money off what you're doing, and then you don't see a dime. So I was, uh, I was really happy for her.
2: And, I mean, I think the irony is that, like, I feel as if black people were known as dancers, like especially for that type of content, We're always doing something like that. So just the fact that, you know, people didn't really think that this was, I don't know, that it was just something that someone else, a black girl, did was kind of crazy.
1: Now, do you think that creators of these dances and original songs should also get money?
2: You know, I feel like it depends on the type of app that it is. Because, you know, that's the thing with content creation. Like, if you have a thing like YouTube, right, you get your money through ads and stuff like that. Like, that's how YouTube gets their money. And people depend on the clicks, like who's watching and who's going to, you know, like copy that style. But those are the types of people who get paid. But for an app like TikTok, I'm not entirely sure how TikTok makes their money. And it's like if people are just, you know, kind of, copying a dance is kind of like it's just a dance who gets money from dancing except for choreographers and teachers you know what i mean
1: yeah absolutely i was thinking the same thing i'm not really sure how someone would uh be paid for for dancing i think that song creators and things like that can can you can definitely make some profit off that but as far as dancing goes uh i'm not sure well, we want to wrap the show by talking about what we've been doing during this social distancing period. For me, it's been playing some of my old video games, watching numerous shows where I can get it. You know, I've watched Breaking Bad. I've watched Narcos. I've watched The Witcher. And now I'm watching the beloved The Wire. Whitney, what have you done?
2: Pretty much the same thing, minus the video games. That's all my brother. But... um You know, watching Netflix shows and watching Ugly Delicious right now, it's really great. Um, Then trying to read more books, not been too successful because it's just less work to watch Netflix and doing homework and getting a little bit of journaling in here and there. But yeah, that's about it.
1: And we are saddened to inform you all that our producer, Aaron Matthewson, will be leaving ESPN's The Undefeated and going to CNN to work on their podcast team. Erin has meant a lot to me and is the glue that holds the Roden Fellows program together. Without her, I'm not really sure we'd be as successful as we are. Here are some of your Roden Fellows, past and present, talking about the beloved Miss Matthewson.
2: Hey, Erin, this is Whitney. I just want to thank you so much for everything that you've done for the Roden Fellows and just for supporting us, giving us ideas, giving us our critiques, and all of that. I most definitely feel as if I've learned from you you know, throughout my time as a room fellow at the Undefeated, and you're going to be missed. Thanks so much.
0: Hey, Aaron. Issa Dockery. Um, really sad to see you go, but I know that this is just the next stepping stone for um your future endeavors. So I'm really proud of you, and thank you for all that you have done for us. Um, really appreciate you, and you're going to be so missed. Hey, Aaron. This is Arthur Chris from Howard University, and thank you so much just for giving us this opportunity to work with the undefeated and for always being available, no matter if it was late at night or early in the morning. And obviously it's gonna be tough without you, but I'm definitely excited for the future of CNN. Hey Aaron, it's Janae Adams from the second class of the Roden Fellowship. I just wanted to say thank you so much for all that you did for us. You were so supportive. You were literally a phone call away. We had so many great times. And I just wanna say that you're gonna do great and congratulations.
2: Hi, Erin. It's Kyla from the first Roden Fellows class. I'm ecstatic
0: to hear that you're moving on to amazing things, even greater. Thank you so much for establishing the ESPN family for all of us and being a wonderful mentor. I look forward to staying in touch. Have a great experience at CNN.
1: Hey, Aaron. It's Donovan Dooley. Um I just wanted to wish you luck on your new journey at CNN. And I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you've done for all the road fellows classes over the years, um, the sacrifice you've made, the, the time you have spent, um, the money you've spent helping us become, um, the best versions of ourselves has not been overlooked and we will never take it for granted. Well, that's all we have time for today. If there's anything you'd like us to cover, or if you just want to leave us a comment, Tweet us at the undefeated hashtag Rodenfellows. You can also contact us directly. I'm on Twitter at Randall Williams.
2: And I'm on Twitter at wit underscore bit 98.
1: Thanks for listening to the Roden Fellows podcast. This show is produced by Arthur Kriz. Special thanks to Tarika Foster-Brasby and the ESPN digital audio content team. I'm Randall Williams, and I've been your host. Get all the latest HBCU 468 podcasts by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next week for another HBCU podcast, and don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone.